0: Chapter 34 of the History of Burke and Hare and the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The History of Burke and Hare by George MacGregor. Chapter 34. Burke's Confession Before the Sheriff A Record of the Murders The Method Complicity of the Women and the Doctors Murderers, but not Body Snatchers The official confession of Burke was made in the condemned cell by the criminal on the 3rd of January, 1829, in the presence of Mr. George Tate sheriff substitute mr archibald scott procurator fiscal and mr richard j moxey assistant sheriff clerk the following is a copy of the document compared william burke at present under sentence of death in the jail of edinburgh states that he never saw Hare till the hallow fair before last november eighteen twenty seven when he and Helen MacDougall met Hare's wife, with whom he was previously acquainted, on the street, they had a dram. And he mentioned he had an intention to go to the West Country to endeavour to get employment as a cobbler. But Hare's wife suggested that they had a small room in their house which might suit him and MacDougall. And that he might follow his trade of a cobbler in Edinburgh. And he went to Hare's house and continued to live there and got employment as a cobbler. An old pensioner named Donald lived in the house about Christmas, 1827. He was in bad health and died a short time before his quarter's pension was due. That he owed Hare four pounds and a day or two after the pensioner's death hare proposed that his body should be sold to the doctors and that the declarant should get a share of the price the declarant said it would be impossible to do it because the man would be coming in with the coffin immediately but after the body was put in the coffin and the lid was nailed down hare started the lid with a chisel and he and the declarant took out the corpse and concealed it in the bed and put tanner's bark from behind the house into the coffin and covered it with a sheet and nailed down the lid of the coffin and the coffin was then carried away for interment that hare did not appear to have been concerned in anything of the kind before and seemed to be at a loss how to get the body disposed of and he and hare went in the evening to the yard of the college and saw a person like a student there, and the declarant asked him if there were any of Dr. Monroe's men about, because he did not know there was any other way of disposing of a dead body, nor did Hare. The young man asked what they wanted with Dr. Monroe, and the declarant told him that he had a subject to dispose of, and the young man referred him to Dr. Knox, number 10, Surgeon's Square. And they went there and saw a young gentlemen, whom he now knows to be Jones, Miller, and Ferguson, and told them that they had a subject to dispose of, but they did not ask how they had obtained it and they told the declarant and hare to come back when it was dark and that they themselves would find a porter to carry it declarant and hare went home and put the body into a sack and carried it to surgeon's square and not knowing how to dispose of it laid it down on the floor of the cellar and went up to the room where the three young men saw them and told them To bring up the body to the room, which they did, and they took the body out of the sack and laid it on the dissecting table. That the shirt was on the body, but the young man asked no questions as to that. And the declarant and hare, at their request, took off the shirt and got seven pounds ten shillings. Dr. Knox came in after the shirt was taken off and looked at the body and proposed they should get seven pounds ten shillings and authorize jones to settle with them and he asked no questions as to how the body had been obtained hare got four pounds five shillings and the declarant got three pounds five shillings jones and etc. said that they would be glad to see them again when they had any other body to dispose of early last spring eighteen twenty eight a woman from Gilmerton merton came to hare's house as a nightly lodger hare keeping seven beds for lodgers that she was a stranger and she and hare became merry and drank together and next morning she was very ill in consequence of what she had got and she sent for some drink and she and hare drank together and she became very sick and vomited And at that time she had not risen from bed. And Hare then said that they would try and smother her in order to dispose of her body to the doctors. That she was lying on her back in the bed and quite insensible from drink. And Hare clapped his hand on her mouth and nose. And the declarant laid himself across her body in order to prevent her from making any disturbance. And she never stirred and they took her out of bed and undressed her and put her into a sheet and they mentioned to dr knox's young men that they had another subject and mr miller sent a porter to meet them in the evening at the back of the castle and declarant and hare carried the chest till they met the porter and they accompanied the porter with the chest to dr knox's classroom and Dr. Knox came in. When they were there, the body was cold and stiff. Dr. Knox approved of its being so fresh, but did not ask any questions. The next was a man named Joseph, a miller, who had been lying badly in the house. Yet he got some drink from Declarant and Hare, but it was not tipsy. He was very ill, lying in bed and could not speak sometimes and there was a report that there was fever in the house which made hare and his wife uneasy in case it should keep away lodgers and they declarant and hare agreed that they should suffocate him for the same purpose and the declarant got a small pillow and laid it across joseph's mouth and hare lay across the body to keep down the arms and legs and he was disposed of in the same manner to the same persons and the body was carried by the porter who carried the last body in may eighteen twenty eight as he thinks an old woman came to the house as a lodger and she was the worst of drink and she got more drink of her own accord And she became very drunk, and Declarant suffocated her, and Hare was not in the house at the time, and she was disposed of in the same manner. Soon afterwards, an Englishman lodged there for some nights, and was ill of the jaundice, that he was in bed very unwell, and Hare and Declarant got above him and held him down, and by holding his mouth suffocated him and disposed of him in the same manner shortly afterwards an old woman named haldane but he knows nothing further of her lodged in the house and she had got some drink at the time and got more to intoxicate her and he and hare suffocated her and disposed of her in the same manner about midsummer eighteen twenty eight a woman with her son or grandson about twelve years of age and who seemed to be weak in his mind came to the house as lodgers the woman got a dram and when in bed asleep he and hare suffocated her and the boy was sitting at the fire in the kitchen and he and hare took hold of him and carried him into the room and suffocated him They were put into a herring-barrel the same night, and carried to Dr. Knox's rooms. That soon afterwards the declarant brought a woman to the house as a lodger, and after some days she got drunk and was disposed of in the same manner. The declarant and Hare generally tried if lodgers would drink, and if they would drink they were disposed of in that manner. The declarant then went for a few days to the house of Helen MacDougall's father, and when he returned he learned from Hare that he had disposed of a woman in the declarant's absence, in the same manner, in his own house, but the declarant does not say the woman's name or any further particulars of the case, or whether any other person was present or knew of it that about this time he went to live in brogan's house and a woman named margaret haldane daughter of the woman haldane before mentioned whose sister is married to clark a tinsmith in the high street came into the house but the declarant does not remember for what purpose she got drunk and was disposed of in the same manner that hare was not present and neither Brogan nor his son knew the least thing about that, or any other case of the same kind, that in April 1828 he fell in with the girl Patterson and her companion in Constantine Burke's house, and they had had breakfast together, and he sent for Hare, and he and Hare disposed of her in the same manner. And Mr. Ferguson and a tall lad, who seemed to have known the woman by sight, asked where they had got the body and the declarant said he had purchased it from an old woman at the back of canongate the body was disposed of five or six hours after the girl was killed and it was cold but not very stiff but he does not remember of any remarks being made about the body being warm one day in september or october eighteen twenty eight A washerwoman had been washing in the house for some time, and he and Hare suffocated her and disposed of her in the same manner. Soon afterwards, a woman named MacDougall, who was a distant relation of Helen MacDougall's first husband, came to Brogan's house to see MacDougall. And after she had been coming and going to the house for a few days, she got drunk and was served in the same way by the declarant and Hare. That daft Jamie was then disposed of, in the matter mentioned in the indictment, except that Hare was concerned in it, that Hare was lying alongside of Jamie in the bed, and Hare suddenly turned on him, and put his hand on his mouth and nose, and Jamie, who had got drink, but was not drunk, made a terrible resistance, and he and Hare fell from the bed together. Hare still keeping hold of Jamie's mouth and nose, and as they lay on the floor together, declarant lay across Jamie to prevent him from resisting, and they held him in that state till he was dead, and he was disposed of in the same manner. And Hare took a brass snuff-box and a spoon from Jamie's pocket, and kept the box to himself, and never gave it to the declarant, but he gave him the spoon and the last was the old woman docherty for whose murder he has been convicted that she was not put to death in the matter deponed to by hare on the trial that during the scuffle between him and hare in the course of which he was nearly strangled by hare docherty had crept among the straw and after the scuffle was over they had some drink and after that they both went forward to where the woman was lying sleeping and hare went forward first and seized her by the mouth and nose as on former occasions and at the same time the declarant lay across her and she had no opportunity of making any noise and before she was dead one or other of them he does not recollect which took hold of her by the throat that while he and Hare were struggling, which was a real scuffle, MacDougall opened the door of the apartment and went into the inner passage and knocked at the door and called out police and murder, but soon came back. And at the same time, Hare's wife called out never to mind, because Declarant and Hare would not hurt one another. That whenever he and Hare rose and went towards the straw where Docherty was lying, MacDougall and Hare's wife, who he thinks was lying in bed at the time, or perhaps were at the fire, immediately rose and left the house, but did not make any noise so far as he heard, and he was surprised at their going out at that time, because he did not see how they could have any suspicion of what they, the declarant and Hare, intended doing that he cannot say whether he and Hare would have killed Doherty or not, if the woman had remained, because they were so determined to kill the woman, the drink being in their head, and he has no knowledge or suspicion of Doherty's body having been offered to any person besides Dr. Knox, and he does not suspect that Patterson would offer the body to any other person than Dr. Knox declares that suffocation was not suggested to them by any person as a mode of killing but occurred to Hare on the first occasion before mentioned and was continued afterwards because it was effectual and showed no marks and when they lay across the body at the same time that was not suggested to them by any person for they never spoke to any person on such a subject and it was not done for the purpose of preventing the person from breathing but was only done for the purpose of keeping down the person's arms and thighs to prevent the person struggling declares that with the exception of the body of Doherty, they never took the person by the throat and they never leapt upon them and declares that there were no marks of violence on any of the subjects and they were sufficiently cold to prevent any suspicion on the part of the doctors, and at all events they might be cold and stiff enough before the box was opened up, and he and Hare always told some story of their having purchased the subjects from some relation or other person who had the means of disposing of them about different parts of the town, and the statements which they made were such as to prevent the doctors having any suspicions and no suspicions were expressed by dr knox or any of his assistants and no questions asked tending to show that they had suspicion declares that Macdougall and hare's wife were no way concerned in any of the murders and neither of them knew of anything of the kind being intended even in the case of docherty and although these two women may laterally have had some suspicion in their own minds that the declarant and Hare were concerned in lifting dead bodies, he does not think they could have any suspicion that he and Hare were concerned in committing murders. Declares that none of the subjects which they had procured, as before mentioned, were offered to any other person than Dr. Knox's assistance, and he and Hare had very little communication with Dr. Knox himself, and declares that he has not the smallest suspicion of any other person in this, or in any other country, except Hare and himself being concerned in killing persons and offering their bodies for dissection, and he never knew or heard of such a thing having been done before. This declaration was signed by Sheriff Tate and Burke. It is curious to notice how in it The criminal endeavors in almost every instance to bring out Hare as the chief actor in the horrible events he describes in a fragmentary way. But it will be remembered that Burke, several times between his conviction and execution, said he would be happy if he were certain Hare would also become a subject for the scaffold. There is little reason to doubt that, had the opportunity been afforded him he would have turned informer himself, and twisted events in such a way as to have condemned Hare. About three weeks later, on the 22nd January, Burke was again before the gentleman to whom he made his confession, on the third of the same month. But there was an addition to the company in the person of the Reverend Mr. Reed, The Catholic priest who had regularly attended him since his condemnation, this gentleman was requested to be present, as the sheriff said in his letter to the Lord Provost, in order to give the confession every degree of authenticity, on this occasion Burke having expressed his adherence to his former declaration declares further that he does not know the names and descriptions of any of the persons who were destroyed except as mentioned in his former declaration declares that he was never concerned in any other act of the same kind nor made any attempt or preparation to commit such and all reports of a contrary tendency such of which he has heard are groundless And he does not know of Hare being concerned in any such, except as mentioned in his former declaration. And he does not know of any persons being murdered for the purpose of dissection by any other persons than himself and Hare. And if any persons have disappeared anywhere in Scotland, England, or Ireland, he knows nothing whatever about it, and never heard of such a thing till he was apprehended. Declares that he never had any instrument in his house except a common table knife or a knife used by him in his trade as a shoemaker or a small pocket knife, and he never used any of those instruments or attempted to do so on any of the persons who were destroyed. Declares that neither he nor Hare, so far as he knows ever were concerned in supplying any subjects for dissection, except those before mentioned. And, in particular, never did so by raising dead bodies from the grave. Declares they never allowed Dr. Knox or any of his assistants to know exactly where their houses were. But Patterson, Dr. Knox's porter or doorkeeper, knew. End of Section 34